Hello, it's George Dobb speaking from the Dayton Ham Festival. Uh, we've had a good first day. The uh, lectures went, went well. It was a little bit different for me because I gave a lecture based upon the fact that uh, I'm not going to be able to come to Dayton again each year. Probably every, I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth year. Because for 20 years I've been every year. And now two things have conspired against that. One is the cost of it and the, the other is age really. So I'm going to lay off, off for a while. Although uh, I've made friends at Dayton who I shall recall for the rest of my life. And uh, we've had a fun time. I've just been teaching a local young lady to say solder. This is quite a remarkable fit, and she did very well. So I'm going, even if I have to come back next year to test her, that might, might be an excuse. Anyway, for all of those who went to Dayton, thank you for the gift you gave me. I had two gifts. I had a lovely crystal engraved plaque, which is, which is nice, and I had someone who bought me a, a rather expensive bottle of wine, which is excellent as well. Anyway, so if you've never been to Dayton or to Four Days in May, please do go. It's well worth it. Thank you, George. Do you want to say anything about your award from the Dayton Amateur Radio Association? Yes, I've received an award. We've got to say 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 that uh, for te for technical excellence. It occurs to me uh, that, that well, it frightens me a bit in the fact they might they might have a fraud test on it. But but then you know, we'll wait and see. And uh, I got an RSGB award a couple a couple of weeks ago as well. So uh, so I'm. Winding down a bit. The reason I'm winding down a bit is I want to do more amateur radio. Really, when you're doing the sort of things I do now, I don't spend a lot of time on on the air. I don't even spend a lot, lots of time, all oh, trying to trying to solder and build things. Partly because uh, the writings I do soak up everything I solder, and so thinking of new things, I ought to be thinking thinking of new things which I want which I want to build for my own fun. Thank you. And recording, okay, I'm Steve Fletcher, G4GXL. And? And we're, we're at Four Days in May. Uh, this year, 2015, it's our 20th anniversary. And it's the biggest and best ever. Uh, we've sold out all events, the seminar, the vendor night, the club night, the banquet, everything sold out. Uh, full capacity, so we, we can't complain. It's been a really good year. And I understand you have a new job in, in, in the uh, QRP Archie? I, I, I have. Um, Ken Evans, uh, W4DU, has been president for the past six years. He's done a fantastic job. We've worked together as a, a real team, and I've got some big shoes to fill. But uh, yeah, from July the 1st, I, I take over Ken's role as uh, president of the club. Uh, and uh, I assume this is not a full-time job, but close. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we've got a few months where we can take it a little bit easy. But um, come uh, about November, December, we start gearing up for ne the, the next FDIM. We've got two speakers booked already, and, and we haven't finished this one. Um, we, we've booked uh, facilities. So ev everything's being planned and uh, ready to get going for 2016. That's great. And so what do you anticipate will be the, th the theme for 2016? 
we, we haven't really thought of that yet, to be honest. Okay. You know, we're, we're still enjoying the evening. Um, <laughs> yeah, but if, if anybody's got any ideas, then we, we'd love to hear them. Marvelous. And uh, did you see anything this year that was uh, different or outstanding? I, I, I think one of the things was the uh, homebrew element. Uh, a lot of uh, really great homebrew entries, not just here, at the Hamvention as well. And uh, two, we, we, we had two winners of the best of show uh, entry. One of them, old-fashioned mechanical keys, the other Arduino-based. So it just shows how diverse QRP Archie is. Indeed, and nice thing this year was that uh, Hamvention, also the theme was uh, build it yourself. Yeah, and that possibly contributed to uh, our success this year. Yes, and I've uh, a number of people to pass that, oh, you can't build anything. This is not possible anymore. But I understand there are more kits available for those who, people who don't want to design, but they can just build. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the clubs which are part of QRP Archie, um, we, we support them, and they, they produce some great kits. Uh, for State QRP, they produce a, a regen receiver. My, my 10-year-old son, he built that, worked first time. So that, that's the way to go. Indeed, maybe the future isn't quite as bleak as some would have you believe. I, d I don't think so. I, I, I think everybody, well, kids out there, they, they love to be creative, they love to build things, and if it's radio-related, more, more the better. One of the things I did this year is I bumped into a guy from, who had come from the maker community, and he said there are, and he was, could hardly be more enthusiastic about being a ham now. Yeah, yeah, and a, a lot of that is uh, down to Glenn Popiel, KW. Five uh, GP. Mm -hmm. he, he brought out a book last year. Um, it was launched at uh, the ARRL Centennial, and that's just packed full of projects which are simple. Anybody can build them. They're largely radio related, and it it, it just adds uh, a, another element to to all of those things that you can build from radios, crystal sets, and now embedded computers in simple transceivers. So it's uh, not a dying hobby. That's great to hear. Not as far as QRP Archie is concerned. We're, we're, we're growing. The, the, the event is bigger than ever. So we, we've never been better. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk Mike. Okay. Yes. Yeah, my name is Jim Everly, K-8-I-K-E. We're at four days in May uh, here at, uh, I guess, what's this place called? Holiday Inn. Holiday, Inn. Holiday Inn in Fairborn, Ohio. Four days in May. It's a QRP group that normally meets. We were celebrating our 20th anniversary of the formation of Four Days of May, and many of us were in on the very first days when it was downtown Dayton. A colleague of mine, Jay Slough, K4ZLE, we got together and we decided on a presentation to actually take a look at the amateur radio station as a system which involve not only just selecting the transmitter and the antenna and deciding to use a certain type of feed line like coax or open wire, but how to put it together and analyze it so that it made sense. And in essence, that was what we did. We did about 57 slides. It was amazing because some were short, some were long, but we ended up going 57 minutes, which to me was kind of a surprise. Uh, but it's a little, it was a little bit long in a sense that we normally try to finish up in 45 minutes. We got a lot of questions afterwards. There were people that we taught them how to, with a dipole antenna, how to just cut it once after you made a measurement frequency rather than doing it, running it up and down a half a dozen times. 
Um, we showed one of the biggest things that we, we found as a very interesting tool was the uh, trans TLW, a transmission line. This is a, in the antenna handbook. They got the, the, TL, the TLW for Windows, transmission lines for Windows. That's a very good software package. Normally that explains why the VSWR and the load, it'll let the load and also at the receiving end can be different and yet you can still radiate most of the power. So uh, we did a lot of presentations and we enjoyed the conversation afterwards. People had questions and we decided to make that just generally available out there for the public. We talked with, uh, talk with a number of people here uh, for four days in May and they said they would post it and then anybody that wanted to just download it or use it as a club meeting, they were free to do it. You talked a lot about the Smith chart, didn't you? We did. Well, we did uh, not so much. We talked about the basic, the, the basic uh, analysis with a Smith chart. And we actually started out with reflection coefficients, and we just drew a circle. And we explained, in essence, that number is available anywhere on the Smith chart. And then we did constant resistance lines, constant reactance lines. And then, of course, we did some VSWR circles, which emanate from the origin. They're not part of the Smith chart, but you can just simply draw circles, and you can see constant VSWR. And using this TLW software, they pretty much make you choose between, we do what's called an LC compensation for this one. And that's one of the, the pairs. There are four possible combinations of putting uh, inductors and capacitors together. They, in turn, we looked at several different examples of how you do it. They form low and high-pass filters. And we got what we thought, well, we got very good output power, but yet the VSWR was high on the line. And we, can, we could show that, and we swapped out transmission lines from coax to open wire and showed that there was an improved VSWR. So it was a learning experience for both Jay and myself, and apparently there was a number of people that wanted to see the slides or get a hold of the slides to see if they could uh, go back and give it at their own club meeting. So that was kind of rewarding for us. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. My name is Jim Fisher. My call is Kilo Charlie 3, Bravo Radio Alpha. I was licensed November 27th, 2014. I got my 2013. Yeah. I got my general in July 2014 at the Hackers on Planet Earth conference. I came from that kind of community, from a computer uh, maker community, and I'm now at Dayton for my first hamvention. Excited. I'm at the FDIM uh, event to meet the vendors. I'm not a QR peer, but I am. Oh, again, from the maker community, so I'm very interested in kits, electronics, and taking things apart to see what makes them tick and make them talk. And so what's it like to be here for the first time for you? Uh, it's pretty amazing. Actually, with all the events and forums, I booked so many things, um, I'm not going to be able to get to the flea market until Saturday. But that's not a bad thing. Um, I'm really looking forward to this and the kits and the uh, kit building for FDIM that uh, W1REX is doing. Yep, Rex. I ordered my kit, but there were no spaces left because I made an impromptu decision to come to Dayton. And right after that, I'm running over to the AMSAT dinner 
the banquet because I want to see um, Michael Osmond, who's a crossover from my maker community. Uh, he started, I met him at ShmooCon a couple years back and funded his first Kickstarter, the UberTooth One. He has since developed the HackRF One, which is an SDR device, um, and he got a license. And the AMSAT folks must love him. I know we all love him. And what else do I have? Uh, oh, in the morning I have the D-Star training class from 8 to 11 on Friday. So Friday's booked. Um, and I have to meet with some fusion guys late night. And then Saturday, it's time to shop. Aha. Uh -huh. Now, what happens if it rains? What's going to happen then to you? Oh, that's easy. I put on my poncho and I continue. Aha. Uh -huh. That's a real ham. You know, um, this is what I've been looking for for 30 years. I'm 51 years old, and uh, like I said, I came from the computer maker thing, and, and I ended up being a leader. And, and I don't want to lead. I want to be inspired, and I want to be led. And I was a, an 11-meter, a CB'er, when I was a very young youngster in the 70s. And I, like an idiot, I went from there to computers... And it was at a computer conference um, about RF and networking. The first slide, you want to learn about RF, become a ham. The very next day, I ordered a Bofang radio. That's right. It has caused the resurgence, and it's brought new people in, and they work. Ten days later, I passed my technician test. Wow, that's great. Okay. Well, I hope you have a good time here. I, I, how can I not? And thank you. How can you not? Correct. Thank you. I hope I did all right. Hi, this is Mike Zero X-Ray Papa Delta M0 XPD, Paul Darlington. I'm speaking to you from Dayton, Ohio, from the four days in May convention where I've just given a presentation uh, which was entitled Opening the Door Just Wide Enough. And my subject was looking at ways of controlling the receiving bandwidth of various homebrew receivers. Uh, I used a rather childish analogy with the width of doors to illustrate the talk. Uh, I was talking about some narrow doors which were optimized to allow narrow CW signals through and contrasted that with wider doors intended to allow uh, voice signals through, sideband signals through. And I asked the question, how could we allow our homebrew rigs to emulate the mode switches that we find on commercial rigs in order to give them the flexibility that those commercial rigs offer? And I looked at uh, how that is done in the context of direct conversion receivers, uh, in software-defined radios, and in superhet radios. Uh, in the first case of those so um, direct conversion receivers, there's really no option apart from to use uh, filters in the AF uh, point in the receive chain right at the end. Uh, and I showed some examples of that. In software-defined uh, radios, in contrast to the limited opportunities in the direct conversion receiver, you've got ultimate flexibility, as I described it, because you can really design the door just how you need it by specifying exactly where the door jams are. 
and I showed an example of uh, the ability to control the width of the door continuously between a very narrow door for CW and a wide open door even for AM type applications. And I looked at some ways in the superhet context of having either switchable uh, IF filters or adjustable IF filters or a new approach that I've been describing of having what I call parallel IF filters uh, where you use uh, the uh, oscillator signals uh, to steer the, signal, th the uh, signal through one of those two IF paths to impose the desired uh, receiving response. And you also talked about how that, um, how it's these, how we hear and how that affects why and what you might want to put a filter on. Did you not? Yeah, I did. I talked a little bit about the, the, the response of the ear brain and really tried to encourage folk to uh, consider the human ear brain as part of the overall receiving chain. There'd been an earlier presentation about trying to take a systems view to transmit and I sort of picked up on that systems theme and said well we really ought to take that systems engineering approach when we think about receiving and the last element in a systems view uh, consideration of the receiver chain is of course the ear brain and when you think about what the ear brain is doing then it uh, sometimes argues that there should be some consideration of the receive filtering to match the particular mode that you're working in. And that often um, suggests that, for example, if you're trying to work CW in a context where you've only got a sideband filter, then you're not working in optimal conditions. And it was that sort of scenario that prompted me to look at ways in which I could build variable receive bandwidth into the simple rigs that I was home brewing. So that's where all of this came from. Marvelous. Are there any uh, uh, plans in the future for someone to manufacture uh, these things, uh, this, put this, these concepts into a commercial rig? Well, I'm not sure about a commercial rig, but certainly Pete Giuliano and I are looking at uh, a practical project where we can uh, allow others to explore this technology in, in a, a practical uh, context. There's also the ability... Uh, to download the code that I've been using in the rig that I've got available for inspection and demonstration here. So we're looking at ways for people to be able to try this idea in the context of their own implementation first. And then there are, of course, the building blocks to support that experimentation available uh, for, for people to follow up through my blog and through uh, the links that they'll find there. So some resources, if not directly a commercial implementation at the moment. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm Glenn, KW5GP. I wrote the ARRL uh, book, uh, Arduino for Ham Radio. I just did a presentation on it here at QRP Archie. Um, some of the things we talked about, we actually built a QRP CW transceiver with an Arduino and a JT65 transceiver with the Arduino. It's only $65. And that's going to be planned for a book, too, maybe in a year or two. And have you extended all that to other uh, kinds of things you might do with the Arduino? Yeah. Uh, one of the projects we did for a local library was actually 
uh, we took an Arduino and built a what looked like a terrarium and we had all sorts of relays and motors and solenoids underneath a bed of moss and stuff and it looked like there were real critters in there and we had timed the relays and it skittered the, the little creatures would skitter and then we'd have a solenoid thump the wall of the display case so the kids and we had proximity sensors so it would run at the kid and they'd hear the thump and we had this PowerPoint running at the world's god-awful ugliest big nasty critters and insects and bugs and the fun part about this is to bring the power cord out for all of this, we had to leave a little crack in the door. And one of the kids saw the crack and said, oh my God, the critters are going to run out. He ran to the head librarian and was almost in tears saying these critters are going to get out. And the librarian said, no, 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 they're trained, they're happy. And, but it, to this day, this was, display was up for like three months. To this day, the kids are not sure if there were real bugs in there or not. And so that's some of the fun things you can do with the Arduino. Um, one of the things that Steve Fletcher told me about last night is his son has either built or is working on a bat detector, the flying bats, an ultrasonic detector to tell when the bats are in the house so you know it's being used. Oh, this is being recorded. Yeah, that's all right. Um, and that's one of the things that uh, you can do with the Arduino for home, just a little bit of everything. You know, it's really cool for projects. You saw uh, I had a little idle simulation from the Indiana Jones thing that had a, uh, a sensor that detected when I stole the, the radio and made me put it back. And so just little little projects, anything you want to control or sense, weather, um, almost any lightning detector, uh, you can build and it's really only gonna cost you, what, 50, 60 bucks to build each project. They're not very expensive. And uh, sounds like there are a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I, I use in every presentation is you're only limited by your imagination. And my task this year was how far does my imagination go? I built a $50 CW transceiver that covers the whole 40 meter band with keyer and everything built in. That's, that's kind of amazing when you say $50 with all this. And the thing works. Have you used it on the air? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. And I haven't been able to use the JT65 on the air, and that was just time constraints. Like I say, it works. And JT65 is nice because 5 watts on JT65 is considered regular power. So a half watt on JT65, I shouldn't have any problems working people. Fantastic. How far away do you think you can get with that? Uh, if I can receive, I can probably send and, and get them. Uh, I have seen Europe, uh, Asiatic Russia, Japan, all, all sorts of that. So I, I, I say I can get any kind of DX I want with it. Marvelous. Sounds like this is the wave of the future. It is. Um, you know, Tentech has the Rebel and Patriot that are Arduino-based, and they're all open source. You're seeing the trend towards these open source products in the various manufacturers' products. And because of the price, I think you're going to see a lot more. And I think uh, hopefully what came out of my session today is a lot of the minds in there are going to go home and start creating and thinking and doing things I hadn't even thought of yet. That's the magic of the Arduino. Yeah, it really is. And it, it's fun. I enjoy watching people's eyes light up when they say, ooh, I can do this. Think about all the things through the years that you've wanted to do and said, oh, my God, that's going to take too many parts, too much wiring, it's too complex, and now you can build it in a weekend. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you. You're on the air. Well, well, thank you. This is Ed Hare, W1RFI. I'm the manager of the ARRL Laboratory, uh, speaking to you from the QRP Archie Four Days in May event uh, here in Dayton in 2015. And uh, 
And did it rain this year? Well, yeah, it did, but I was lucky. <laughs> you were inside. Uh, yeah, yeah like, like always at Dayton, yes, it rained. I was actually outside, and there was about 30 seconds of rain. All the vendors in the flea market packed everything up. 30 seconds later, it stopped. An hour later, some of them still had not taken the tarps off, which was uh, kind of interesting. But I got back in the building, and no sooner did I step my foot in the building than it rained. <laughs> and the next time it rained pretty heavy, I was still in the building. I was over in the uh, ARRL Expo area uh, helping out with some of the testing we were doing on two-meter handy talkies. Oh, goodness, year. You know, we're doing this every year. We, it was really popular with members. We had a steady stream of people. I think so far, this is uh, Saturday evening, uh, we have tested about 250 HTs. Uh -huh. And we're finding similar things to in years past. Um, uh, most of the uh, well-known models and rigs are performing very, very well. Some of the newer ones we're seeing are recently imported from other countries. Uh, some of them are really doing well, some of them aren't. Uh, and, you know, we're gathering data to try to find out what we can do uh, with, you know, these radios, what kind of information we want to put in the QSD. Uh, yes, I see people walking away, some smiling and some not smiling. Well, some smiling, some not smiling, and a few scratching their heads. I mean, uh, there's one rig we tested where it had just met, just missed the FCC requirements for harmonics and spectral purity by 4 dB. And uh, we explained why, you know, his antenna might provide some addi additional attenuation. Uh, but, you know, some of these others, I mean, they were only down like 25 dB on their second harmonic way, way too off. Uh, for a VHF rig, so. Uh, and so there's no government uh, oversight of this? Well, a lot of these are certificated under FCC Part 90 rules. Oh. And, you know, it's legal for amateurs to take them and put them in the amateur band, so, you know, they can be buying these products, no problem. Um, but, of course, they would need to meet the Part 97 rules, and the amateur is ultimately responsible for that. So the information we're gathering, I think, will help HAMS uh, make their purchase decisions and to uh, ensure that if they do operate them, they're operating them legally. Oh, that's great. That's nice service you're providing. Well, it is, and, and it's a lot of fun for us. You know, we're, we're getting to see all the people happy to get their radios testing, meeting a lot of new hams, so uh, that, that makes the event fun, although for the lab guys, it's pretty grueling work. I mean, they're there pretty much eight hours a, a day. Uh, I stopped by and helped for a while so that uh, one of them could go off into the flea market, the other one could go off and meet some of the vendors that he's worked with over the years. Yes, I've watched that happen. It was uh, interesting. Yes, it was. So it's, it's a lot of fun being there, and, and I'm, I'm glad to be part of the lab team this year. Okay, and next question I'll ask you, is there anything new you've seen coming in uh, radio other than SDRs, software-defined radio? Well, software-defined radio uh, and digital radio, I think, is probably the, the wave of the future. I mean, digital radio, we're seeing a D-Star, we're seeing the Moto Turbo uh, taking off on, on VHF and UHF and above. Um, you know, there's new digital modes being introduced all the time in amateur radio, and yes, software-defined radio. You know, it's funny, we have uh, set up now uh, one of the flex radios in the lab, uh, and people come through, and I like to point out to members that in a software-defined radio, this is not a software-controlled radio. Software is the radio. We're digitizing that RF stream coming in. Uh, the, the computer software is then tuning it, demodulating it, doing a lot of interesting things with it. I mean, even the CW skimmers that are out there, where you can go look at a site that would tell you who's on a given band calling CQ. 
I mean, that's pretty exciting. That, that's pretty neat. Yes. And you know, ultimately, you're going to be able to have these things, uh, uh, perhaps even skimming a band, looking for new countries for you, uh, looking for stations you haven't worked before. Uh, you know, contesters are potentially making some use of those. It's pretty interesting in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, the old days, I remember uh, as a, a young ham in the 1960s, we sat at the radio and actually tuned around and were surprised <laughs> at what we found. So, uh, you know, the, but, but amateur radio has never been separate from modern electronics technology. And so I think this is something in the long run that is, is going to be good for the hobby. Yes. Very good. Okay. Well, thank you for letting me do this interview. Thank you. This is M0XPD, Paul Darlington. I've just accepted the award for Pete Giuliano, N6QW, his induction into the QRP Hall of Fame here at four days in May for QRP Archie. And in accepting that award, I started off by saying that uh, I'm, I'm honoured to be a collaborator and co-conspirator with Pete and Pete had asked me ahead of uh, this evening to accept the award on his behalf because he's got some responsibilities that mean he can't be here in person. And he'd asked me to accept it. And in asking me, he said that he didn't understand why he'd been given the award. And I was able to tell everybody that because of my relationship with Pete recently, I understood full well why he'd been given the award. And I explained that I thought that everybody in the room understood full well why he'd been given the award and I pointed out that beyond the room everybody out there in the amateur radio world not just in QRP but in QRO as well understood full well why Pete was given and fully and richly deserves this award so congratulations Pete it's been a great honour to accept on your behalf this very well deserved reward. Seven threes Pete. Thank you.